Hello to anyone interested in how to fix their troubled finances. I'm David G. Toussaint with www.troubledfinances.com. Why do I say troubled finances? Because many people have troubled finances in some form or another. Why? Why do they have troubled finances? Because the world has a plan for your money and my money, and that is to take it from us. So, to avoid the world taking our money from us, we show you a better plan. That plan, by the way, is God's plan. Uh, What? You mean God has a plan for my money and your money? Yes, yes, He does. And it's a much better plan than yours or the world's. But before we go into God's plan, let's just provide a real-life story about a guy named John and his, how his good intentions have gone awry. John is a successful real estate developer with several dozen condominium projects throughout the Southwest to his credit. A choice property in an Arizona city where his son Luke was living came on the market. John jumped at the chance to develop it. He loved the thought of spending more time with Luke and Jenny and their young family. Not surprisingly, he greatly enjoyed his grandsons developing a close relationship with them over the months that followed. Luke and Jenny had recently sold their condo across town. Unfortunately, Luke spent a good part of the proceeds on an expensive hunting trip to Alaska. He and Jenny were now renting another condo with a short-term lease until they decided where to live next. As John's condo project was wrapping up and the model condo was no longer needed, John had a brainstorm. Hey, why not sell the model to Luke and Jenny? It was a choice condo and a choice area, and he was willing to give them the good price. I mean, it should be a no-brainer. He made the offer. Well, Luke said, thanks, Dad. I really appreciate the offer, but I'm not ready to buy anything right now. I would just love to rent it from you if you would consider that. Well, that's a whole different story. Because, because part of John's profit in the project was wrapped up in the model, he really wanted and actually needed to sell it. But he also wanted to help Luke and Jenny, and especially his young grandsons that he had grown quite attached to. After speaking with his wife briefly, John decided he would rent the model to his son. He had second thoughts, but, you know, he was going to go ahead. Influenced by his love for his grandsons and the comfort he felt with Jenny, John neglected to seriously consider Luke's past (coughs) pattern of irresponsibility. Instead, he quickly dismissed his misgivings in the hope that Luke may have turned a corner now that he had a wife and a family. But the facts remained. Luke had dropped out of high school rather than muster the discipline to do the homework. On more than one occasion, Luke had even hit John for refusing refusing permission to do whatever he wanted. John may have conveniently forgotten. More likely, he chose to forgive. And forgiving the past is a good thing. But it does not guarantee that future behavior will depart from the established pattern. With the best of hopes, John and his wife anticipated that Luke, now an adult with a family, would be responsible and pay his rent. They thought they were observing an abundance of caution by requiring a signed lease and a down payment of $9,000, the only remaining cash uh, they had from the sale of Luke's condo. Very little thought was given to what might happen to the relationship in the event of non-payment. So John made the offer. Luke said, well, that's great, Dad. I think the rent amount is very fair, and we won't have any trouble making the payments. I can guarantee you that if we're not right on time, it will be because we're early. You won't regret this. Hmm. (laughs) 
For the first few months, Luke and Jenny's payments came on the day they were due. But things happened, and Luke made more bad spending decisions. He had a habit of that, and he fell back into it. Old habits, including one broken promise after another, one excuse after another, led to the same dead end. Uh, Dad, um, I can't. I just can't make the rent payment this month. John said, not any of it? Hmm. John's patience gave away to disappointment, and after several months of the same pattern, serious concern. John had profited from the condo development, but businesses require operating capital. He had used a substantial part of the profit as a down payment on the development in another city. His salary came from the remainder. He still had a small loan left on this development that was secured by the condo model, and that mortgage needed to be paid by Luke's rent. John knew that eventually the bank would require a change in the loan terms because the model was intended to be sold rather than held long term. Even worse than having to make unexpected monthly mortgage payments out of his personal funds was the fear that Luke would continue with his irresponsibility with higher and higher stakes. After another month of non-payment, John decided it was a time for a form of tough love. This can't go on, he said to Luke. If you don't make a payment by the end of this month, I'm going to be forced to begin an eviction proceedings. Well, Luke's old nature erupted. If you do, he said, you'll not be welcome in our house anymore and don't expect us to ever come and see you. You're never going to see your grandsons. Ooh. Well, what can we conclude from this? For one thing, the outcomes of arrogance, even in our children, are likely to be bitter. Luke six, I mean uh, Proverbs sixteen says, "Everything in the Lord, everything the Lord has made, has its destiny, and the destiny of the wicked is destruction." The Lord hates everyone who is arrogant, and He will never let them escape punishment. Pride leads to destruction, and arrogance to downfall. Luke used his boys as leverage to get John to cave. John did not go through with the eviction, at least temporarily, but Luke's actions spoke volumes to his wife Jenny about who he really is. Serious trouble is likely ahead uh, in this marriage. Action steps. Well, what primary principle was ignored? Loaning to a family member is difficult and should never be done unless one making the loan has enough financial strength to forgive non-payment if it occurs and enough spiritual strength to prevent it from damaging the relationship. What's the likely consequence in this case? The condominium is a substantial investment that John and his wife need to sell in order to pay off the mortgage and to fund the business that pays John's salary. They are now risking a substantial loss. But greater than their financial loss is the damage to their relationship with Luke and Jenny, to say nothing of being estranged from their grandsons. How can this situation be saved? John and his wife could recognize their own mistakes in judgment that contributed to this problem. They could accept the losses incurred so far and forgive their son, praying that their relationship can be restored. This still will require changing the, the arrangement to prevent a recurrence. The last thing I knew that I, that, was, that I was told was that they were going to negotiate a partial refund of the down payment if the family moved out by a reasonable target date. But the most important issue in family life is our children's relationship with the one true God. 
Every interaction we have with them should support this. Before entering into a financial agreement, we need to consider whether their failure to, to comply could negatively impact their view of God. If so, modify or decline the agreement. If Luke's marriage fails because of his arrogance, now obvious to his wife Jenny, John and his wife can be there for Jenny and the grandsons to provide valuable counsel, support, and most importantly, encourage them to have a relationship with our Lord. Question to consider. Would you ever do what John and his wife did? If so, what actions would you take? Do you think there is any hope in this situation? What do you think God would have them do now? I mean, John and his wife have a serious issue that they have helped create. If I were them, I would do the following things. Number one, I would spend a lot of time in prayer on my knees about this situation. And I would ask God for advice. And he might not give it to me right away, but he would provide. He will. He promises he will provide. Secondly, um, if I didn't, if I wasn't really comfortable with the whole situation, I would seek professional counsel. I would do that because this is a serious situation, and how can we work it out properly? John already had a history with his son Luke. Sincere prayer may have reminded John of this. We never want to put ourselves in a position that will negatively impact us in a major way financially, or any other way as John did. We always need safeguards. Finally, let's talk about child-raising and rebellious kids. For example, my wife, know, my wife and I know of a family with a very rebellious son. and He was that way from the beginning, and sometimes they are. They're just born that way. The question is, for this family, was what to do about it. The kid wanted, maybe even needed excitement. He was one of those kids that just, you know, has to, have, has to be daring. His dad actually had some apartments, and this kid was not afraid to climb the big ladder to the roof. I mean, heights didn't bother him. And later... Neither did fast driving. What did his dad do? His dad said his, his natural tendency would have been to hammer down on this, on this son. But he felt like it would cause inappropriate animosity similar to what we know John's situation was with Luke. As a mature Christian, after praying about it, this dad took a softer approach. When the son disobeyed, the dad said, Well, son, what would Jesus do in this situation? The point was, to make the son stop and think. Did it help? Sometimes, he said. The dad's one caveat was lying. If the son lied, then the, then the dad got out the board. That was a serious thing. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't put up with that. Eventually, though, this son created so much trouble with alcohol that he eventually had to spend a couple of weeks in the local county jail. <laughs> That'll wake you up, right? What happened there? The son had time to think about his life, what he had done, or where he was going, and it was not good. This son came out of jail, a changed person for the better. Praise the Lord. Was it embarrassing when the parents had to go to court with their son? Yes. And were they concerned? Yes. And was it embarrassing that their son was in jail? Very much, yes. But when he came out, where was the resentment against his parents and what they stood for? It was not there. This kid had a big wake-up call. 
And Jesus sometimes does this to us. In my opinion, sometimes he waits until we're ready, and then he speaks to us. It appears he spoke to this kid when he was in jail. Is this, though, always the way to do it? Probably not, but it worked here. This kid is now a fine, young, law-abiding man working with a good job and with a good future. So the world, the point is the world is a hard taskmaster. If we shield our kids from the world by strong discipline, they may become resentful of us and, and who we believe in, the, the awesome God, the God, the God of the universe, and His Son Jesus who died on the cross for us. But if we lead them in the right way, <clears throat> then they deviate of their own accord and experience the world. Many times they will realize their error realize what the parents had been telling them all along was correct and come back to us. That is, praise the Lord, what happened to this rebellious son of the family we know. So we pray that somehow this happens to Luke at some point. Now, we talked about the beginning of this podcast. What is God's plan for you financially and how do you determine it? Well, in a nutshell, number one, God wants us responsible for our action. In Psalm 37, 21, it says, the evil man borrows and doesn't pay back. So whatever we borrow, God says, hey, you owe it back because you legitimately borrowed it and you had the money and yet you chose not to pay it back per the obligations that you made. So that's one of the things we have to consider, okay? Secondly, um, Luke 16, 11 says, if therefore you've not been faithful in the use of worldly wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? So, so Jesus is saying, hey, how you manage your money impacts your relationship with me. Now, I didn't say it impacted your salvation. You're saved, okay? If you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you're saved and you're going to be in heaven. But your closeness of your walk with Jesus depends upon your obedience. How much are you going to obey him, right? And so and so, what we do here with when our plan financially is, number one, we spend less than we earn, and we do it over a long period. And how do we know what we spend? Well, number one, uh, you can't get to where you want to be if you don't know where you are in the first place. So, number one, you keep a 30-day diary of every dime you spend. Uh, then categorize it into the proper categories, like housing, other things like food, grocery food, transportation, insurance, debts, Entertainment, and that would be eating out, by the way, uh, among other things. Clothing, savings, medical, miscellaneous investments, uh, and school or child care. And then you total all those up, and then you have that total, and you subtract that from the income, and hopefully that's a positive number. You're, you're spending less than you earn. But if it's not, then you have to have some uh, correction, right? And by the way, if you need forms of this, you contact me at www.troubledfinances.com come and I will send you some forms. But at any rate, the question is, is how much are you spending and where are the categories you're spending it in? And so if you have done the, um, the records properly and categorized them properly, then you know the answer and then you know the changes that you can make, uh, if possible, uh, to fix things. You know, if you can't fix the spending, then you've got to fix the in- income. You've got to fix something one way or the other. Well, that's the way I have today. Thank you so much for choosing this podcast. I pray that the true story, which we talked about, on finances helped you in some regard. 
This story came from the book, Troubled Finances, There's Hope, available for $13.95 softcover and only $3.69 on Kindle at www.troubledfinances.com. I am David G. Toussaint. If you want to contact me, you can send me an email from the website. I will respond. Have a great day in the Lord.